1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome Irish fans to another edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst at irishbreakdown.com and with me as always is Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com and Uh, some interesting movement here this week, uh, Brian, it it is the North Carolina week, number 25, North Carolina, number two, Notre Dame, Notre Dame goes on the road to Chapel Hill on a Friday, which is weird. So everything's jumbled up this week, uh, with what we're pushing out, but make sure you stay locked in because we're gonna have all kinds of good stuff. But today we want to talk about the new look offensive line for Notre Dame, who, by the way, was just put up. Uh, on the, the, the midseason watch list for the Joe Moore award, uh, for the best offensive line, uh, in the country. You're shaking your head. Is that not a mid-season?
2: good Midseason? Like that? No. It's, I know. It's like, that's what they called like, it. I know. That's what they called it. It's <laughs> like, what? Midseason for what? This isn't, it's not I know. The midseason in the NFL anymore. Like, okay. Yeah, I know. It's midseason for the big 10. Yes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thought that was funny too, but I wanted to go with their, uh, Sorry. terminology. Yeah. Uh, all <laughs> um, good. Yeah, so they're, they're one of the finalists or they're on the watch list or whatever the case may be for the Joe Moore award, which I think we all kind of anticipated. But now sure. you've got two starters out, uh, for this game. And, and of course, uh, Patterson, the center, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Right. Uh, but Robert Haynes, I'm sorry, not Robert Hainsey, Kramer uh, it had an appendectomy from what mm-hmm. we're being told. So mm-hmm. he's going to be out one to three weeks. So definitely yeah. this week, we know that for sure. Yeah.
2: And on that, uh, with Tommy Kramer, I, I've talked to some sources about this. It sounds like it wasn't, you know, when I hear appendectomy, I think emergency surgery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Had. Apparently it was something that was caught, you know, before it became a problem. Okay. Good. Why they're, they're such a short, cause I was thinking appendectomy. I mean, are they going to even have him back? In the regular season, I was told that he's in good shape, that everything went well, that it was something that wasn't, uh, wasn't as bad as it sounds, and that's why there was such a short one to three week kind of turnaround on that. My, my thought would be, and maybe this is more of a hope than a thought, that if Notre Dame, even if, well, what, no matter what happens against North Carolina, I mean, the reality is Notre Dame should be able to run a lot of twos out against Syracuse and stuff. Agreed. Agreed. You know, I mean, Tommy Kramer, Jason Adamuel, there's just a lot of guys that I looked at or banged up to say, just get them back for Wake Forest, <laughs> you know. Well, and I think Wake yeah. Forest
1: is a bit of a more of a concern. I Not a concern, but I think they're a better team than maybe we had anticipated that they would be at this time of the season. So you want to you want your guys to be back for that, right? And Syracuse is really bad. They're not so,
2: good. And yeah, right. yeah. So it's just the point is, look, you got to get healthy for that <clears throat> Wake Forest Clemson yeah. run, and then of course the the college football playoff is going to start a lot sooner after the end of the regular season. Right. Conference title games than it has in the past since everything's pushed back two weeks. So the key is going to be making sure that Tommy Kramer gets healthy. And I I would be surprised if he's back in in less than a week because he's been battling other different ailments throughout the year. So this might be a good time to kind of get him, get him healthy, refreshed and ready for a really, a really good stretch run.
1: So, so Notre Dame has pretty much announced uh, via the depth chart that uh, sophomore Zeke Carell is going to take over at center. Uh, for this game and and Josh Lug is going to take over at right guard mm-hmm. and that that is going to be the makeup going into the North Carolina game. Now, what happens after the North Carolina game when Tommy Kramer comes back? Does that push? we'll worry about that later
3: because
1: yeah. I think there's a million different options that you can go. I with. think the key
2: is just looking at the makeup of the line yes. going into North Carolina, Correct. Like, see I how agree. it goes. And
1: then we can kind of figure out some things after that. So th- there were a couple of different options and I-, I want you to just glaze over those real quick. You had an article out on irishbreakdown.com of the different options that Notre Dame could go with. Um, and now, of course they've settled on Corral and lug, but there were a couple of other options out there. I think with Dylan Gibbons, Mm-hmm. Uh, and just kind of Robert Hainsey moving just kind of go over some of those options that Notre Dame has decided not to go with
2: well before the Tommy Kramer news broke what Notre Dame was doing in practice to replace mm-hmm. Jared Patterson is Josh Lugg was getting the, the first snaps at center and Zeke Carell was getting more action than what you'd expect a normal backup center to get so it was it was it, was, it w- was a competition but it was more about let's get both of these guys ready to go so they were both getting a lot of reps before Tommy Kramer's uh, appendectomy and so the plan was to to go with lug, but it wasn't necessarily locked from what I'm told by my sources because uh, Zeke Carell was practicing really well, which was a good sign. And I was told this before the Tommy Kramer injury. So that that obviously was a positive <clears> sign. <throat> well, then once – I think that then made it – once Tommy Kramer went out, I think that made it easier to just transition Zeke Carell in the starting lineup and put Josh uh, Lugg at right guard. Uh, Dylan Gibbons obviously was an option because he had stepped in to line up against Florida State when Liam Eikenberg went down because Notre Dame right. bumped Aaron Banks out to left tackle. And then Dylan Gibbons stepped in. And after the first play, he got knocked down on the first play. But after that, I thought Dylan Gibbons played really good football. So it was a, it was a, a potential option where he could just move over to right guard because the transition from left guard to right guard is not, not that right. difficult. Uh, and since Josh Lugg had been playing tackle, he was playing some center, you know, would they just move him over there? And I think that was the option in regards to getting your most experienced unit out there. You know, since Dylan Gibbets had played, he's a senior. Josh Lugg is a senior. Uh That was an option. And then my option was more of a – I still like the idea of moving Robert Hainsy to center and putting Josh Lugg in at right tackle. That option became a lot less, potent, you know, feasible and I had heard there were some discussions about it, but it wasn't really something that they were looking hard at. Right. Uh, that became almost impossible to go with when when Tommy Kramer went down. Sure, right? Because then it's kind of like, well, well, now you're going to move Hainsy to center, and now you're going to have a new center, a new right guard, and a, and a, you know, not a new right, right tackle since Josh Lugo played there, but a different right tackle. So it was really the first two options in the way that Zeke Carell practiced. Um, I think made that like a hey let's see what let's see what he can do, because um, Dylan Gibbons obviously could be inserted at any point in time, and then of course Josh Lugg right. is getting that work at center, and Josh Lugg has been getting work at center for a while. My understanding has been he's been an emergency center for the last couple of years, so this was not a new thing for him per se, even though he's never played center, and he was a, started at five games at right tackle last year. I thought he played well. Uh, I think the Notre Dame coaching staff had said in the past that they thought he played well. Um, and so he, he's got experience playing now. He's played, I think about 40 to 50 snaps in his career at right guard. Uh, he played some right guard this year against Georgia tech when Tommy Kramer came out, you know, he was, again, was battling some, some injuries and they wanted to get him out late in the game. Uh, so Josh Lug got in at at right guard against Georgia tech a little bit. So, uh, this isn't a new position for him either. Right. And and so, uh, so you have four guys in the lineup still that have a, a good amount of experience. And that should help sort of ease that loss of Zeke Carell because the thing that you, that you know, we've talked about Vince at irishbreakdown.com about this offensive line is yes, Liam Eikenberg to me is having like an all American caliber season. Robert Haines has been really steady. Aaron Banks has had some moments of excellence. Jared Patterson has some really good moments. Tommy Kramer, I thought was coming off of a, of a couple quality games in a row. Uh, even though he's been battling, you know, health, I thought he was, he was, getting better, but the reason this line has been so good is not necessarily those individual players. It was just how well this unit was playing together yeah. as a five-man group, and this was the five-man group that we really saw for most of last season. Um, and, and so you have that concern of, well, you lost two key parts of that. How are you going to transition? And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I've criticized Jeff Quinn a lot in the past uh, one of the things that I have praised him for is is the job that he did last year when they lost Tommy Kramer and Robert Hainsie in back to back games. Right. So if you just to refresh your memory, Tommy Kramer got hurt against Michigan. They inserted Trevor Rulon in the starting lineup, and then right. early the next game, Robert Hainsie went down, and then Josh Lugg had to step in. Well, that's after that Virginia Tech game. That's when the offense took off late in the season. So they showed that this unit can can. Can deal with losses, multiple losses, and still thrive. Now yeah. the schedule is going to be tougher down the stretch this year than it was last year. If we're being honest, I mean it was, you know, they yeah. beat five and seven Duke, and you know Navy was a good team, but again, it's still Navy. You know, BC was a five hundred team. Stanford was four and eight. Uh, it, it, be, it wasn't a, a really gauntlet of teams like facing North Carolina and then facing potentially Clemson and then Wake Forest. So. It's a little different situation, but I thought the line played well. I thought Jeff Quinn showed the ability to do that, and now you're you're putting guys into the lineup, and, and Josh Lugg, who's got far more experience now because of the adversity sure. that they faced last year, and Z Correll is you know has like forty some career snaps, which I believe is about forty some career more snaps than Jarrett Patterson had when he yeah. took over last year as a redshirt freshman. So yeah, uh, the, you know, so so I think that they're they're by just inserting Carell – and then Lug at guard, I think there's a greater chance at continuity. I agree. As opposed to Lug playing center where he'd taken snaps there, but he had never played there in a game. Uh, it's not a position I think is natural for him. And, you know, you'd have had a, a really – maybe he'd have done great. We don't know. Uh, hopefully we don't ever find out. But it would have been a big question mark. Now you're putting a center at center, a guy that's been practicing at center since he showed up. Uh, a top 100 recruit. You're playing Lug in a position that he has played legitimate snaps before and where I think his skill set is better suited. So I feel like is Notre Dame going to have the number one offensive line against North Carolina? Probably not because I think that would be almost disrespectful to Jarrett Patterson, Tommy Kramer saying, oh, they're fine. Yeah, you lost two good players. it, It stings. But I do feel like Notre Dame still has an opportunity to have an outstanding offensive line. I don't think this Loss prevents them from still playing out playing the defensive fronts they're going to face in the next month. Uh, you know, because look, when you, when you get concerned about North Carolina, it's concerned about them scoring a bunch of points. Correct. are not concerned about playing a great defense.
1: No, not at all. They're not be playing good defenses
2: the next three weeks. So I think that also helps. Sure. Where you say they should be able to kind of maybe overcome a few, mm-hmm. uh, moments where maybe they're not always all on the same page because you are playing inferior opponents then of course the flip side is but you can't afford to lose possessions when you're playing a team that can score 50 on just about anybody so but I I think as a unit Vince I feel good about this group and look this is why you recruit studs every year no matter who you have in front of them you recruit studs every year because in football again it's a game of attrition a lot of teams lose a starting offensive lineman like Jarrett Patterson or Tommy Kramer and you're playing some three star kid or a walk on. Notre Dame's playing two top hundred caliber recruits. Right. You know, and so I think they should, they should end up being okay. As a unit, they should end up being okay.
1: So let's talk about these guys individually. I mean, we've seen Josh Lug, uh, you mentioned it, inserted into the starting lineup at the end of last year. So we kind of know what we're getting with him, but you can mm-hmm. still glo you know, touch on, his strengths and weaknesses. And then Zeke Carell, I think he's kind of an anomaly to a lot of Irish fans. I mean, look, there's there's some people that follow recruiting. They know he's a top 100 recruit, but that doesn't mean that he's necessarily ready to play at Notre Dame. So uh the whole point of, of offensive linemen coming in at Notre Dame is to get bigger, stronger. You're not going to see a whole lot of true freshmen starting in Notre Dame. Right. So uh he's That's a what made Tommy Hain- Robert Haynesy so rare in 2017. Yeah, I think no Notre question. Dame's had
2: two true freshmen start. Games in Brian Kelly's eleven years, and that was Robert Hainsy in two thousand seventeen, and then Steve Elmer all the way back in two thousand thirteen. Right. Ronnie Stanley didn't start as a true freshman. Uh, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Liam <laughs> Ikenberg, right, right? Go down the I mean, line. It's a yeah. long list of outstanding players: Zach Martin. You know, it's yeah. a long list of outstanding players that didn't play as freshmen. So, yes. right, so There's always that development.
1: So let's let's talk about Lug quick first, and then I want you to, to hit on Zeke Karell just kind of introduce him to Irish fans. What what is he going to bring yeah. to the table? I think Lug we saw last year is a big kid, yeah. you know, big, <clears throat> strong,
2: physical kid. And I thought he handled himself well in pass protection, but he's never, in my opinion, based on, on what he is at Notre Dame, he's never going to be a guy that's going to look like he might, Liam Eikenberg as a pass blocker. I actually think moving him into guard is really where his skill set's more ideally suited. Now, does that mean he's going to, to be full speed at a position that he hasn't played a ton this year? Probably not. Uh, but I think – if, if this is a two, three game thing with him at guard, I could see a scenario where he really plays well because I think he's a, he's sort of a, a really aggressive player. We saw him against BC. He was actually a little bit out of control against BC. You know, he's playing too aggressively. Uh, I think you, you, you his personality, his demeanor really fits in well at guard. Uh, I think it's a pass blocker and, uh, I think he really could excel at guard and, of course, as a run blocker. So um this is a guy that I thought was one of the top recruits in his class coming out of high school in 2017. Um I think he's a guy that's got a lot of upside. He's younger than the other kids that were in his class, Robert Hainsey and Aaron Banks. Uh, so I think he's just now physically kind of coming into his own. And he battled a lot of injuries during the year. I mean, nothing major that kept him out of games necessarily, but things that limited his reps, limited his opportunities. And so I think that's partly why against B.C., He's kind of chomping at the bit to get out there sure, and play yeah. a little bit too aggressively. But um, I've been told that he's practiced really well. He's been calm. He's been poised. He's been, you know, they, there's a lot of confidence that he's going to do well. And I think having a guy like Robert Hainsey beside him, it, it can be that calming effect of, you know, Hey, hey man, calm down. Uh we, we got this or just the communication aspect of it. You sure. know, Hey, you can trust Robert Hainsey and there's nobody on the offensive line. That's going to know what you're doing more than Robert Hainsey. So, I think that helps as well uh, in regards to making sure that Josh Lugg is playing at full speed. Because if Josh Lugg makes a smooth transition into guard, you're going to be just fine. Because that's an extremely talented football player. There are I'm trying to think. There's what 14 other teams in the ACC, right? So that would mean there's 14 teams in Notre Dame's conference that would love to have Josh Lugg as a starter at guard or tackle for them. Yeah, without injuries. I mean, just with where he is now. I mean, Josh Lugg to me is a is a better football player than the two guys that Clemson was trotting out at guard uh, a couple weeks ago. This is a good football player. It's just about how quickly can he kind of can he kind of get up to speed in the starting lineup
1: at a position he hasn't played a whole lot of reps in his career do you do you real quick do you project him as a guard or a tackle next year when there's going to be some openings on the offensive line i know that's kind of out in left field no
2: it's a good question no i think it's Mm -hmm. and i think that vince is something that we brought up in the video we did that i that we did last week talking about the offensive line which is if zeke correll is inserted into the lineup and if zeke correll plays well zeke correll's the center i don't see him moving you know he played guard in high school but i i don't He's just—he's not a long guy. I think he just really sits in as that, you know, that fire hydrant right there at center. So if he plays well, and you feel really good about him being one of your five best next year, that gives you some flexibility with Jared Patterson. Right. But the reason I'm—I'm going to somewhat dodge the question is because a lot of it depends on number one how Zeke Carrell plays at center, okay. which then gives you some flexibility with Jared Patterson, sure, which could impact whether or not you want Patterson to be a tackle and then Love to be a guard or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, the other part of it too, is does Aaron banks come back? Sure. I think that's a big piece of it. Cause if Aaron banks come comes back most likely it's going to be because the staff convinced him he can play left tackle. Um, and then that gets into, okay, so do you want Luggett guard and then do you want to move Andrew Christophic over to right tackle to let him compete with Quinn Carroll for that right tackle job? Do you want to just insert, uh, uh, Josh Luggett tackle and then, you know, you can have Patterson at guard or do you want Patterson at tackle with Luggett guard? So there's just so many things that are determined by, how well Zeke Corral plays and, and then how back. well Aaron Banks plays. Sure. So in a perfect world, I think Banks comes back and moves to tackle. Uh I I personally would leave him at guard, but you know, I think that's what No names gonna have to do to convince him to come back. Um and then I would I would say where does Jarrett Patterson fit best? I personally think I would kind of like the idea of of Jarrett Patterson and, and Josh Lugg being at guard uh and then and then let the two stud sophomores uh, uh and and then the rising he's a freshman now it's sophomores now but andrew crosstabic quinn carroll and tosh baker let those three guys battle it out sure for that spot. The other option is they could you know they could just move Luggett tackle, keep him at tackle so they want more experience and then they could put Patterson at, at right guard and then they could let Dylan Gibbons battle it out for the left guard job and and in that scenario for me if it's me I would sit down and have a very long talk with Blake Fisher. The, the 2021 recruit and say, hey, listen, you are you can play tackle at this level. There's no question. But the fastest path for you to get on the field is at left guard. We think you could play left guard for us some as a freshman. Because uh, Blake Fisher not a five-year player most likely, right? Yeah, I mean, We right. can agree on that. <clears throat> so, you know, let him sit behind whoever that left guard is, whether it's Josh Lugg or whether it's Dylan Gibbons or Jarrett Patterson, and let him kind of get some experience there. Um, and then he can kind of get in a situation where – if he's ready to play, maybe you start working him in a little bit. So sure. uh, there's just a lot of options, and it's going to yeah. make spring ball a lot great. of fun. But uh, yeah, which is great. So that's why it's it's kind of hard to answer that question because there's just two big question marks we don't have answers to right now. Which is how does Zeke Carell do at center, and then how does Aaron Banks? You know, does Aaron Banks come back next season?
1: So. Uh... We'll cross those bridges when we come to it Mm -hmm. next year. But uh, Zeke Corral, let's jump into the Zeke Corral boat. What have you seen from him, and what do you think we're going to see from him on Friday?
2: Well, you know, you'd mentioned this is a top 100 recruit. He was one of the 100 best players in the country coming out of his class. Uh, he the big thing for him coming to Notre Dame, and Brian Kelly talked about this in the press conference today, was he was undersized. I mean, and we talked about that when he signed. He's going to need time to develop. He was about 265, 270 pounds when he mm-hmm. showed up. Right. St- tough, strong, athletic kid. And, and, and the tools are there. We saw it against Pitt. There was one play where Pitt just did a lot of stunting, and they hit him, and he kind of caught him where he was in mid-slide. So he got kind of rocked back. But other than that, Pitt threw a bunch of stunts at him. They threw a bunch of twists at him, and I thought he handled it really well. I thought he was physical. I thought even when they kind of got up the the line of scrimmage past him, he stayed engaged, which, remember, that's what was going on that we praised the starting offensive lineman for because when when a team like Pitt attacks you as aggressively as they do, they're going to get up the field. But you gotta stay on him, write him out, and then, but just the quarterback in that game wasn't as experienced as Ian Book was to kind of slide, step, and get up into the pocket. So sure. they weren't mm-hmm. able to, to, to avoid it as much. But I thought he played well. I think he's athletic. I think he's physical. I think he's tough. I think he's a guy, uh, that from what I'm told is a smart player, you know, but again, smart in practice and then smart when the, the lights are bright and you're on the road in, in a top 25 sure. game the day after Thanksgiving, it can be a different story. So we don't know how he's going to handle that. You never know that until a kid steps into the lineup. Yeah. Um, but to me, he's a kid that is a, a to, not just a future starter, but a guy that I viewed as a potential future star. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to play like that against North Carolina. But right, right. This right. is a talented kid that's going to have his first start issues. Uh, but he's also a kid that I think can make some blocks. And if I think the fact that there's going to be veterans around him is going helpful. to make this yeah. such a smoother transition for him because he doesn't necessarily have to be the star. He's going to have help from Aaron Banks, who's one of the best guards in college football. He's going to have help from Josh Logg, who's six seven, three hundred and ten 310 pounds and is an experienced, you know, veteran player. He's going to have two very, and the left tackles in their name, the tackles in their has, Liam Michaelberg and Robert Hainesy are, two physical tough kids, but they're also two very calm players, very poised players, leadership-type sure. guys. So I think that will be a calming presence for Zeke Carell as well. So I think he's going to perform well. Uh, I think he's a talented kid. And the key for me is just be calm enough to where the snaps are consistent. That That's really the only yeah. thing that I'm concerned about. Because sure. if he makes a bad call, then you've got guys that can say, hey, no, <laughs> we're sliding – lit so, this is a Liz call, yeah, not a Rip right. call. You know, I mean, and, and now there's not going to be 70,000 people in the stands. Yeah. So if true. Robert Hainsey or Lee Michaelberg knows he made the, the wrong call, they can quickly check it. Or Liam sure. or Ian Book can hear it and say, no, 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 no. no. We got to slide the protection that way. Yeah. Uh, so I think that'll help as well. So gotcha. uh, he's a talented player. It's just we don't know yet and how quickly he's going yeah. to transition. But I loved how hard he competed against Pitt. And that was really the last time we've seen him. You know, he played against South Florida. He played against Pitt, and Pitt, he played a lot. So, that was good to see him get a lot of snaps there. And, again, against a, a good defense, even the backups of Pitt are good players. And I thought he more than held it his own. I thought he had some really good snaps uh, in that game. And so, that kind of is why, okay. you know, if they weren't going to move Hainsey, that's kind of what I'd hoped that Zeke Carroll would seize that opportunity. And from what I'm told, he did seize it. This isn't just, well, he's next on the depth chart, and we don't have anybody else. This Yeah, is like, right. This is a. We had options. We have Josh sure. Slug. We have Dylan Gibbons. We have John Dirksen. We have other options. But Zeke Carrell really had a good week of That's practice, good. and we feel comfortable that we, from a coaching staff standpoint, we feel comfortable uh, transitioning him
1: into the starting lineup and, and getting him out there. Well, and that makes a coaching. That makes coaching so much easier when a guy goes out there and takes the position, mm-hmm. as opposed to you're like. Ugh. Okay, we'll go with you. You know, I mean, or or we'll go with you and we'll see what happens. But you make sure you're ready. You know, right? This this makes coaching so much easier yeah. when a guy just goes out and grabs that job. Mm-hmm. So that no question, that, that, that's a good situation for Notre Dame. I, I wanted to ask you because you know you mentioned it. That this group of five has really come into their own and they're really playing very well together as a unit. And, you know, the run game has been excellent. Pass blocking has been excellent, even going back to last year. So from an average Irish fan who's watching this game on TV on Friday, where do you think they'll see a difference in the run game and in the pass game? Or will there be a difference with these two guys inserted?
2: You know, will there? I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see it. But I think where my concern is greater is in the pass game. Okay, I feel like with the way that Notre Dame, you know, they're a zone blocking team. And Mm -hmm. I think when you have new starters in the offensive line, I think you, you get real. You say, Hey, look, this is not a very good defense. It's not a very good defensive line. This is a defense we should be able to really establish something on. So let's not get too cute and too creative with two starters in there. Let's run our inside zone. Let's run our outside zone, maybe a counter or, you know, some kind of rap play, you know, just to, to give them some misdirection, but Let's just beat them up, and Zeke and Josh can beat them up. So I well, think you're yeah. able to simplify things enough in the run game to where you should be able to make some transition, and if they want to bring a bunch of run stunts, that's fine because I'll just run inside zone away from uh Aaron Banks and Liam Eikenberg all game, and then we're just going to cut back and gas you because that one time you stunt the wrong direction and we're cutting back behind yeah. those two dudes, you know, the band's playing our, you know, the fight song, you, you know what I mean? So I don't know sure. if that's – Necessarily the, the, the route you want to go, uh, with the backs that Notre Dame has. Now, pass game wise, when you get into second and long, when you get into two minute situations, when you get into third down, or in, in formations where, where UNC kind of has some, some tendency reads on Notre Dame, where this is a heavy pass situation, I think that's where there's gonna, there's gonna be some creativity with stunts and twists and linebacker, linebacker pressures and things like that, and that's where I'm more concerned about the one thing that the offensive line has been so good about, especially in recent weeks, is the guards, Kramer and Patterson, even when they get beat, really doing a great job of writing guys out and and really giving Ian Bookett either a clean pocket in front of them or a pocket in, that, that gives him options to step in and exactly. take off. Correct. Uh, will that happen with Zeke Carell and Josh Log? And will Ian Book have the same confidence in them? That he had in the veterans in front of him, which that's matters big. to
1: vents. You know that's this. really so big. Yeah.
2: He has to say, okay, I trust these guys. So when I see Zeke Carell riding a guy in the A gap, I know he's got this. I'm going to step into the pocket and I'm going to either make a throw mm-hmm. or I'm going to take off running. Um, so, so that's all part of it. So I think the pass game for me is really where I'm most not concerned. Well, i concerned. I mean, you know, that's where I think North Carolina is going to really test Notre Dame the most. And that's where I think Notre Dame can have the most problems because if you start making stops and passing downs, those are drive killers, right? If sure. If you get a two-yard – you know, if we get stopped for two yards on first and 10 as an offense, then you look at it and say, you know, hey, second and eight, we got another shot at this. You know, you, you pass the ball on first and 10, and then you give up a pressure or incompletion or sack, and all of a sudden it's that's drive killer. Sure. And you can't have a lot of drive killers against North Carolina. This isn't going to be a 12-7 game, right? I mean, I don't care how good the defense plays – barring it being a monsoon and they can't throw the ball this isn't going to be a 12 to 7 game this is going to be a game where you're going to have to score sure. some points to win kind of like Clemson uh and so you really need to be able to throw the ball and you can't have a lot of drive killing plays and i think the pass game is where you can you could see a lot of those potentially happening so i think that is where north carolina is going to look to get their plays
1: made and that's where i think this unit's going to have to to really make sure they're at their best yeah, one of the things I just wanted to echo uh, about the run game is is zone zone blocking is a lot of double teams and then climbing to the next mm-hmm. level. And I'd really I just I like when you bring in new guys who are and you talked about Josh Lugg being aggressive mm-hmm. and and you know being that Mauler type of guy, you know, when you're double teaming and you're just Beating the snot out of the guy across Mm -hmm. from you with a double team, and then it's all about communication. Who's going to go to the next level and things of that nature. I don't have any. I don't have any issues with this group. I I think the communication is going to be good, and I and I and I don't think there's going to be a lack of physicality in the zone blocking scheme. You know what I mean? So I'm really not worried about the run game, and and I think I, I think you're right. I think the pass game and Ian Book's confidence, I think that's yeah. a big one because we've seen Ian Book in the past. If he's not confident in somebody, whether it's mm-hmm. his receivers, whether it's his line, whatever the case may be, he's not the best he Ian Book. He starts Booking. rushing. He that's starts rushing. Exactly right. I,
2: Yes. And I think to your point too, Vince, I, I think when you, when you talk about the zone, look, the zone is the zone, right? Right. And, and that's what's great about running zone plays is look, th- these are the rules. The rules don't change because the rules are, the, the great thing about a zone, just so people understand is, Zone concepts have rules. I'm uncovered or I'm covered, and the guy next to me on either side is covered or uncovered. And depending on who's covered and uncovered is going to determine whether the center's working with the guard, whether the center's working with the backside guard, whether the center's working solo. Right. Right? Um, Whether he's going to be the main guy, whether he's got to overtake, whether he's got to help. Those rules don't change because they are what they are. And then Mm -hmm. however a defense lines up, we have our rules. If every single guy is covered, we have our rules, right? It becomes a bunch of base blocks, essentially. So um, that's why I like the zone so much because you don't change your rules. The rules right. are what they are. The rules exactly. are the rules. Uh, the looks change, but you've got rules built into the looks, mm-hmm. and so that's why I think you know what's made the Broncos so successful back in the nineties with those zone concepts is what made has made Notre Dame so successful. When you have good players, they are what they are, and. What we saw from the first two years under Jeff Quinn, and I'm sure it's, we're seeing it now is, and we saw it under Harry Heestand is, you work on combo blocks every single yeah, day for oh yeah, an individual. Yes. I mean, it's, it's given different looks, it's, hey, here's here, here's what happens here. I mean, those are individual period drills on a daily basis. So to your point, that's why I think that transition tends to be smoother. Now, pass protection is something that tends to change more frequently sure. week to week because you're facing a three-three-five this week or a three-four or a four-two-five, and the angles for the pl- pressures are going to be so different that right. you're going to change. But here's one thing that I think also needs to be considered as an option for Notre Dame, and this is something I hope that they've pr- prepared for. If I'm North Carolina. And I'm bringing pressures. I'm not bringing pressures off the edge. I'm not, I'm bringing pressures up the middle. Absolutely. Yeah. And one thing, one weapon that Notre Dame has that not a lot of teams have is Notre Dame can go three tight ends and have two guys out on routes that are matchup nightmares. And, and you put Brock Wright and maybe Tommy Trumbull. I prefer Brock Wright because I want Tommy Trumbull running routes. Uh, but you put one of those tight ends back in like an H-back situation. And and now you can now free release your running backs and you've got a bigger right. bodied guy stepping up to take on what maybe the running backs would do. Correct. So, you know, yeah. normally Notre Dame would line up, you know, let's say an 11 personnel, which is three receivers, one tight end in the back. And the back is, you know, in a six man protection, the back's sure. got to take on a blitzer. Well, sometimes Notre Dame will max pro and they'll go seven man protection, which is the five line in the back and the tight end. Well, with this look, with the concerns that I have about guys coming up the middle, I don't know if I want Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree doing that all game long. Sure. Uh, I think the other part of it is you, you know, maybe you get Tommy Trumbull or you get Michael Mayer or you get especially Brock Wright back there, and right. you say, hey, let's free release our backs and then use the tight ends to block because two things can happen from that. Number one is you have a bigger-bodied player that can create more of a force at that point of attack when they block, whereas a running back's kind of got a uh got a kind of cut or, you know, there, there's some of the great blocks Kyron Williams has had. He still gets knocked back, but he gets in the sure. guy's way. I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to be doing in a game like this. So you have a bigger body guy who can create more of an impact in your favor as an offense. Right. But also you now can use the running back as a free release guy to attack those blitzes. So, you know, bring your tight end in, have him be your six-man of protection, and then you're running angle routes or slides or seam routes or screens where now you're using that back. To say, hey, you want to blitz, we're going to get a bigger body in to protect, but now we're going to use our dynamic playmakers, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, to now attack you behind that blitz with pass concepts. So this is something that I want to see from Tommy Reese this weekend where he says, hey, I know what you're going to do. I know you're going to attack my new guys. We're going to have a plan not only to protect our offense, but we're going to have a plan to exploit you when you try right. to do that.
1: Because they and show that, that the backs can catch out of the back. That's field. right.
2: And so right. that, to me, is the is another example of growth that we can see from Tommy Reese to where you know they're going to do this, right? I mean, you know they're going to attack up the middle. What is your plan to not only protect it, but then also to beat it? Sure. And I think sometimes coordinators and veterans can even make the mistake is you're so focused on protecting – that you don't attack where the pressures are coming from. I mean, that's what the great offensive coordinators do. It's like, hey, if I got this defensive end it's just killing my tackles, well, one way to do that is we know he's going to come upfield anyway. Let's don't, throw a little screen behind it. Go behind him. Let's yeah. run a draw play behind it. Let's let yep. him come wide. Right. Same thing here. So that's something that I think where Notre Dame can steal some yards. And if you hit a couple of those big plays against North Carolina, right. now they got to decide, okay. Do we really want to keep bringing these pressures? Because they right. got a veteran quarterback that's just picking us apart with crossing routes, with angle routes, with seam routes, with screens, and they're killing us. Mm-hmm. So let's back off, and you know, maybe maybe we can force them into a mistake. So I think those are some of the, that's going to be part of that interesting chess match that I'm looking forward to seeing on Friday, uh, where it, it, if we see that, it'll be another example of, of Tommy Reese coming into his own as a as a not just a play caller but also a game planner. and and putting Mm -hmm. those two things together. So that's the final piece to me of you have that that sixth and seventh man as blockers with the tight ends. That is an often overlooked aspect of the Joe Moore Award, which goes to the great offensive line. Well, that is a Joe Moore Award, but the Notre Dame tight ends this year, more than you see from most teams, are playing a huge role in how successful this offensive line has been, along with great play from the offensive line. Uh, and I think those are weapons that you can also utilize this week to help protect sure. your, your two new starters.
1: No, absolutely. So Notre Dame's coming out Friday with two new starters on the offensive line. We'll see how long that lasts. My guess is two weeks minimum uh, mm-hmm. for those two guys, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So Zeke Carell Josh Lugg taking over at center and right guard respectively. And, uh and we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a lot of fun, something different, but I, I don't expect a huge drop off from this O line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't think you do either. So yeah, you still
2: have three studs, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You still and these guys three, aren't right
1: slackers either. I mean, these right. aren't a couple of walk-ons that you're putting in there right. because you don't have anybody else. So or
2: three-star depth guys. I mean, these right. are these are guys you recruited to be studs, absolutely. and now they're yeah. Now they're getting. in. Look, let's be honest. The only reason Josh Lugg doesn't start at Notre Dame. It's because of how good the guys in front of him are. Right. I mean, like I said earlier, he's starting for, I would imagine, at least 12 or 13 of the teams in the ACC. You're telling me he
1: he would start for every one of them because – I'm just trying to be conservative. Okay, well, it wouldn't necessarily (laughs) be at guard. He could be attacked. I mean – Right. He has such positional flexibility – that he would start on every. Right. On I've every yet
2: to team. see a team, at least that Notre Dame has played where I haven't looked at him and said, Josh Lug starts on this team. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a no-brainer. But again, I haven't, you know, we haven't watched every team in person, but yeah, there's a lot of teams. There's top 25 teams that would love to have a Josh Lug. Yes. So again, you're not, you're not starting some, some young guy that doesn't right. play. And, and I think again, that experience he showed last year where he can be thrust into a, a tight situation right. and handle himself well and be a part of a really good offense, which is what Notre Dame was in November and in the bowl game last year.
1: So make sure everybody stays locked into irishbreakdown.com because we'll have more on the North Carolina game. I'll have uh, an interview tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Tomorrow afternoon we'll post that, uh, pre- previewing the North Carolina game. Mm-hmm. and Then, of course, you and I will be back. Uh, on Wednesday, I believe so
2: we're moving it up because of the game on yes. Friday and Thanksgiving being on Thursday. We're moving our our preview podcast up to Wednesday, so that Correct. will be obviously uh, definitely on podcast but form. But we're going to
1: see how it goes as far as possibly getting that on uh, on uh, the
2: YouTube channel as
1: well. Yep. So we'll have this one, and then we'll yep we'll have mine tomorrow. We'll have ours on Wednesday. So all kinds of content coming your way. So make sure you check out our podcast on Soundwise. Make sure you check out all the content. On irisbreakdown.com and uh, that's been this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast and we will talk to you next time.